Amen. Praise the Lord, it's November. <laughs> no more of those surprises. Hallelujah. That was precious. Again, I said earlier today, I want to thank everyone for your cards, your gifts, for your love, for Tina and I. It's been uh, overwhelming. It's been humbling. Uh, it's been a blessing, and we're so thankful for each of you and uh, how you've given towards us, and not j just during this month, but how you serve the Lord. It's an honor to <clears throat> lead such a group, and uh, we're so, so thankful for you. Uh, as Ben said, we are uh, getting ready to go back into our corporate fast, and that is... Uh, from 6 in the morning till 6 at night, we're not eating. I mean, we, you can have water or some are doing. I talked about a Daniel fast, which is, uh, he said he ate no pleasant meat nor drank wine, put any wine to his mouth. So what that is, you know, people will go on, they'll just eat salads and, and things like that. It's what they call a Daniel fast. Or uh, if you want to do liquids, that's between you and Jesus, because we're going to talk about the fast some today. That's between you and him. It's really about saying, Father, I want to see clearly. I want to hear clearly. Uh, and I'm taking this time to set myself apart so that I can do that. That's what it's all about. It's not about what you do without. It's what you do with, what, with him in the time that you have with him when you're not doing the other. Does that make sense? Uh, so, And then from 6 at night till 6 in the morning, uh, we've said no media. That's Facebook, TV, things like that. I'm not saying you can't answer your phone, but uh, just no media to give that time because many times that's when we veg out the most. We'll sit down and we'll have our iPad or computer or our phone and we'll just flick through Facebook and before you know it, an hour and a half, two hours has passed by and you've done nothing of any value to you <laughs> or eternal value. So we'll, we'll do that Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And again, we've talked about this before. The purpose in this is to see and to hear. Because um, the fast does not move God. If you've been taught that, that's been wrong. The fast does not move God. He's always moving. Just as our universe is always moving, it's always expanding. He spoke that, and I believe it's after his nature that he's always moving. He's always creating. And so when we go into a time of fast, what we're saying is, I want to see clearly and I want to hear clearly what you're already saying, what you're already doing, so that I can partner, just like uh, Ben said earlier, so I can partner with you and be a part of what you're doing. That's the privilege that we have in partnering with God. And so many times, there's so much that vies for our time, that vies for our attention so that we can't hear. It's not because we're bad, it's just we're busy. Anybody ever gotten to the end of the day and go, man, I don't even remember what I did today. I was so much going on. It happens so easily, and uh, so this is a time that we can just slow down and uh, spend time with Him. And as I was praying about that, as I said this morning, the Lord really ministered to my heart in, uh, in my prayer time. But one of the things the Lord spoke is, if we're going to fast, we've got to know who we are going into that fast and whose we are. In Romans chapter 3, I just want to read this because it's so important, because if we don't go into the fast knowing our position in him, then we'll go in expect, asking God to do something he's already done. All right, by now, but now, verse 21 of Romans chapter 3, 
this is a pretty familiar passage of Scripture, 321 through 26. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24 says this, being justified freely by his grace. You know, we've all heard Romans 3.23 in as a good Baptist in Bible college, we had to remember Romans Road, which is three, Romans 3, 10, 3, 23, 6, 23, 5, 8, 10, 9, 10, and 13. That was Romans Road. You can lead somebody down Romans Road and teach them how to be born again, how, you can, how they can pray a prayer and ask Jesus to be their Savior and their Lord. And, and I'm not mocking that. I think it's important that we need to point people to Jesus. But he didn't say, go make Christians. He said, go make disciples. There's a huge difference, and I think the church has done a decent job of making Christians, but a poor job of making disciples. Because we'll stop at 323, and 323 says this, uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's where we stop. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But verse 24 says this, being justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So he said, yes, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's a fact. Every person breathing breath has fallen short of the holiness and the glory of God. But that's not the end. That's not the good news. The good news is we can be justified freely through his grace because of what Jesus did on the cross. Thanks, Dad. That's right. Being justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God set for us as a propitiation, or that means payment by his blood, through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, being in his, because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time, where? At the present time, his righteousness why? That he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Well, that's powerful. He said that he is just and the justifier by, ju by making righteous those who put their faith in Jesus. What does that mean? What are you trying to say? What that means is this. When we put our faith in Jesus to be our Savior and Lord, he is just in making us righteous. It's a finished work. We are righteous because of what Jesus did. Does that mean we always do righteous things? No. No, because we have to renew our mind. There's that flesh part of us, that, that carnal way of thinking, that worldly way of thinking. And that, you know, I've said this multiple times, but I really believe it's so important that we understand the word carnal has been attributed to just doing sinful things when the word carnal literally means of this world. It means those things that are motivated by your five senses, those things that when you respond in a way that's outside of the faith of God and the truth of God, you're acting carnal. Okay, that sounds spiritual. Let's put it this way. If he said, cast all your care over on him because he cares for you, take no thought of what you need. Matthew chapter six. Y'all familiar with that? but seek first the kingdom of God. So when I take thought and I begin to worry, you know what I am? I'm carnal. 
I'm carnal. When I begin to worry about something, instead of casting the whole of that care over on him, I've slipped over into carnality. Does that mean I'm a bad person? No, but it means it opens the door for me to do bad things because if I'm thinking carnally, guess how I'm going to respond? If I'm thinking on the flesh or how uh, this makes my flesh feel, then I'm going to respond out of what I'm thinking on. Nearly 100% of the time, not always, but most of the time. And that's why, you know, the Lord rebuked me in love. And he said, you know why you act the way you do when you're driving? Because you meditate on carnality. Because what you're looking at is, why are they doing this to me? It's all about me. Why are they slowing me down? Why do they pull out in front of me? Why don't they know how to drive as good as I know how to drive? If they could just come and let me teach them, then everything would be better. It's all about me. And he said, when you do that, your focus is carnal. So you can expect to respond carnally. You can expect to get frustrated. You can expect to snap and... And he said, but here's the thing, when you focus carnally just in the car, that's not where it stops because you've set your attention to be carnal minded. So when you get out of the car and you're not in the car anymore, guess what you're set on? Carnality. Amen. So as I was, as I was praying and, and, uh, thinking about this fast, and uh, the Lord took me, a very familiar passage of Scripture, but uh, to Isaiah 58, and we're going to go there in just a moment. But as I was doing that, the Lord said, just back up a few chapters, because Isaiah 53 and, uh, deals with Jesus, the suffering servant, the, the one who gave his life for us, and when you look at 53 and 54, it, it talks about what Jesus did for us, and it, it gives us the declarations that we can make because of what Jesus did building up to 58. And I'm not going to read all the chapters from 53 to 58, but I just want to uh, read a, a little bit out of each one. I'm 53, verse 1 says this, Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and we see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. This is speaking of Jesus. It says, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. That's what Jesus accomplished for us. He bore the pain and the shame and the suffering of our carnality so that we could walk in the righteousness of God. Verse 54, because of what Jesus did, it says this, Sing, O barren woman, chapter 54, you have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. 
Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Hallelujah. That's the word of the Lord because of what happened in Isaiah 53. He said, you who are barren, sing because more is in you than is in those that are married and have kids. You know what that is? That's the shout that Ben talked about this morning. That's the shout that I was talking about in the face of adversity. When it's shouting at you, you shout at it and you declare who the Lord says you are. That's how we should use our tongue. Instead of on carnality, instead of on disappointment, instead of using our tongue to talk about what's not happening, we should declare what he says is finished. And watch what hasn't happened change. This one wrecks me. Isaiah 55. Ho! Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. There's more. It could go on. But he's, ho! I love that. When I get stirred up praying, I go, ho! <laughs> I guess that's why I like it so much. Ho! Plus, it'll wake you up. Ho! <laughs> ho! Jesus! He's good. Isaiah 56 Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness. My salvation is about to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Isn't that what I read in Romans chapter 3? That his, this righteousness has been revealed through faith, through those who believe into him. See, that's it. Salvation is for any who will believe into him. Jesus paid the price for all, but not all are saved because not all have believed into him. But when we make agreement with what he has said, then we enter into relationship with him. And that changes everything. Isaiah 57, and uh, this one's a little dark because it's talking about Israel's uh, idolatry. It says, the righteous perish and no man takes it to heart. Merciful men are taken away while no one considers that the righteous is taken away from evil. He shall enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. And then he he goes and gets into it. But Isaiah here, it's building, and he's telling us that this is what Jesus did. In Isaiah 53, he talks about what Jesus did. In 54, 55, and 56, begin to tell us what's ours and what we can walk into. And in verse 58, he says this. Chapter 58, I keep saying verse. Chapter 58, it says this. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Isn't it amazing? Ben had no idea what I'm sharing. No idea. I, that's why I thank God for the prophetic mantle on this house that 
that you can come in this, I believe you can come in this church when we gather corporately and you've never heard a word from the Lord before and you can hear a word like that. And you may not know what it is, but you go, man, I just felt like something stirred on the inside of me. And here's what I know. The more you step out in it, the more frequent it comes and the more clarity that comes with it. But there is a prophetic anointing on this house that we can hear from the Lord, not just hear about the Lord, but hear from the Lord. And I love how he, as a tapestry, weaves that together on a Sunday morning. The words that came about the shout and all that, and here he is in Isaiah 58, and he says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Well, that doesn't sound like something I want to shout. This is because Jesus had not yet died. He prophesied when Jesus dies, here's how it's going to be, but he's letting them know you've become self-righteous. You're basing your relationship on how good you think you are. And if you go into a fast thinking that I'm going to get God to do this in my life because I'm going to do good, so I'll get good, you're deceived. And you've put yourself under the law, and we've been redeemed from the law. But he said this, he goes on to say, they, yet they, they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have they fasted? Why, what? I'm sorry, verse three. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have, you, why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? Well, I don't know about you. That's pretty arrogant. They're saying to God, we love going to church. We love hearing about your word. And we fast and we mourn. They put on sackcloth and put ashes on their head and they let everybody know that they're, they are tormenting their soul for God. But he said, God, you don't even listen and you don't even take a note, take account of what we're doing for you. <clears throat> Why? They felt like what they were doing was making God move when the whole time God had moved in mercy toward them and they couldn't see it because they were looking at them instead of him. In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your labors. Verse 4, indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness you will not fast as you do this day to make your, vo- your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread, to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? He's asking him a question. He said, this is what you do, and you think this is what a fast is. Verse 6, is, not, is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not the, to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are, out, who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him and, that, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. So here's what he's saying. Did you notice the shift? Instead of looking at me and what I'm doing and what you're not doing because of what I'm doing, he said, that's not the fast I've chosen. The fast I've chosen is look away from you and look out. 
And when you look out, when you quit looking at yourself and you look out, you'll see the oppressed and you'll, you'll set them free. And he said, when you do that, look what happens. Verse 8. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. You know what he's saying? When you fast like this, I've got your back. I've got your back. You don't have to worry about what's going on behind you. When you set out to be my hands, to be my feet, to love like I love, when you set out to do that, he said, my glory is what's got your back. My glory has your back. It's, it's, no, they can't approach you from the back because my glory, my manifest, and you know what glory is? It's his manifest presence. Well, if I go and I really help people, they may take advantage of me. It's okay, he's got your back. It doesn't mean that you become a, a doormat, but it means this, that I don't allow how other people respond to affect how I walk out his love in my life and through my life. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he shall say, here I am. That's beautiful. If you take away the yoke from the, your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking, and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually. Come on. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones and you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build up the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. That's our heritage. He said, when, when you take your eyes off of you and set your eyes on me and you choose to be my hands and to be my feet, that's the fast that I've chosen. It's not about what you abstain from. It's not about beating your breast and saying, God, do you see me? Don't you understand what's going on in my life right now? You asked me to help somebody else and I need help myself. And he's saying this, if we will extend our hand in faith and in love as he has towards us, he said, then your light's going to spring forth speedily. I like, I think you can parallel it to in James when he said this. He said, pray one for another that you might be healed. James says, as you're praying for others, as you set your attention on others to pray for others, your healing takes place. Because I choose to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. He said, this is the fast I've chosen. It's one, you see what it does? It loosens bonds. It binds up those that are broken and hurting. It sets free. It sounds a lot like what Jesus, when he stood up in the temple and he took Isaiah's book and he said, the spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those who are captive, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he sat down. You know what the next thing was? It says, and the vengeance of our God. He said, it's not time for me to preach the vengeance yet because I'm here to reveal the love and the grace of God that men can be set free, healed and delivered. And that's just, it's not unjust for him to say that. 
Judgment's coming. We shouldn't hasten judgment. It's coming on an unbelieving world because of their rejection of Jesus, not because of his hatred towards them, but because of their rejection of the free gift of salvation, of freedom. <clears throat> Judgment's coming. But right now, we have the privilege to preach the good news, the gospel of, of Christ to a hurting world and let them know that Jesus is alive, he's doing well, and they can too if they'll trust in him. He said, this is the fast that I've chosen. It's one that you take your eyes off of you. You put your eyes on me so that you can see people like I see people. And he said, you'll quit pointing the finger and participating in wickedness. Wow. You'll quit that pointing of the finger. Instead of pointing and, and telling what somebody's, how somebody's not measuring up, you'll take them to the one who measured up. And you'll introduce them to the one that no matter how bad they've fallen, no matter how many mistakes they've made, his blood is still enough. And it covers, it doesn't cover, it wipes away their sin. And the, they can know the truth, and it's that truth that sets them free. Romans 8 says that creation itself is groaning for the manifestations of the sons of God. Creation is groaning, not for church, not for religious people. You know, it, it's not for those. If you, I like this in the New Living Translation. The first part of this, Isaiah 58 says this, Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud, don't be timid. Tell my people Israel their sin. You, yet they act so pious or self-righteous. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. You know what he's talking about? Religious people. I'm, this is not judgmental. This is just, I want us to understand. If we can come to church and hear good stuff, and have a desire to be here, but go out and turn a, a, a blind eye and a deaf ear to those that he's asking us to reach, that we're no different than what he's talking about right here in the first part of Isaiah 58. He said, you'll fast, and you'll pray, and you'll beat yourself up, and you'll talk about how unworthy you are, and all of this. He said, but all you're wanting to do is go through the religious motions, because you want notions, because you won't look up and see the harvest that's in front of you. He said, the fast that I've chosen is one of activation. If you're wondering what I'm trying to say, it's this. When we really believe him, and we act on what he said, there's always action involved. You're going to be doing something you haven't done before. It doesn't mean here, whoa, it doesn't mean you're going to get it perfect. But it means you're going to try. And you're going to walk. You know, I, I love to watch children learn to walk. Because at no point have I seen a kid fall down when they're trying to walk and just go, I'm not worthy. I just can't do this. It's too hard. I quit. You know what they do? They bounce right back up and try it again. 
Amen. I'm, I'm with Ben. I think you're asleep this morning. I'll make everybody stand up and I'll finish preaching. I ain't scared. <laughs> the kid doesn't, I mean, they might get their feelings hurt if they fall a little hard or something like that, but it doesn't cause them to quit because they haven't been taught to quit because of failure. What they've been taught through the, internally, when they mess up or, or make a mistake, they get back up. They don't just lay there and wallow in it. As they get older, they can. And you know why? Because we allow it. We facilitate it. I'm meddling now. Is that what it is? I'm sorry. It's the truth. But we just, we help them get back up. And they go right back at it. And before you know it, we're saying, won't you just sit down? Won't you just sit down? And, you know, that's what I'm praying for. He, he said in Isaiah, he said, stretch out your curtains, lengthen them out. I, my heart's desire is that we as a body be so active and so involved in what God is doing through us in our community that my head spins and I go, man, who's where? What are they doing? How do they do that? Because they're not coming to church to get more information so they can persuade God to do something <laughs> They're coming to church to grow in intimacy and fellowship with him, to have a corporate place to express their love and devotion to him, and then to go out <clears throat> and to plunder hell. Because the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. I've said, I'll say it again. We've had that backwards. We've had it like the gates of hell were charging us. Gates don't charge. They try to hold something. They try to protect what's behind them. And it says the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. That means they can't stop us from taking ground. That's a perspective switch for the church. The most of the church is in, in defensive mode. Oh, don't let the devil take anything else. He said no. That's why there's an unbelieving world still unbelieving. This is what happens when I spend about an hour and a half praying in tongues. Monster energy drinks can't do this for you. <laughs> I'm not a monster. Okay, so this morning, I didn't, I didn't plan this. I didn't say, I'm going to go pray in tongues and get an interpretation. It wasn't even on my grid until it started happening. I, I just, I got up early. I get up early every Sunday morning and just go spend time with the Lord. And I was up in my prayer room in my closet sitting in the floor and uh, just praying, reading through some scriptures. I read through Ephesians from chapter 1 to about chapter 4, and, and uh, I was just sitting there and just started praying. I said, I'm just going to spend some time praying in the Spirit. And then it came over me in such a, a powerful way. All I can say is a new tongue and other tongues. And he said, you'll praise him with other tongues. With other tongues, they'll praise me. Isaiah said that. And uh, it wasn't a prayer language that I'm familiar with to me. At one point, it <laughs> I don't even need to tell you that, but uh, it sounded like a couple of different dialects as I was praying, and not anything I'd ever prayed before, but I was so stirred, I felt like I was, had my, my hands stuck in the light socket as I was praying. And the Lord said, it's time to write. <clears throat> so I got a pen. I didn't stop. I didn't pray in tongues a minute and then start writing and pray in tongues a minute and then start writing. If this freaks you out, good. I'm happy, happy, happy that it's freaking you out because <clears throat> he's alive. And uh, as I was writing, and I, I said, God, is this for me or is this for us as a body? And he said, yes. 
okay, I can roll with that. I can do that. I can, I can run with that. So as I'm praying, and, and literally, I, uh, I, I, I didn't stop. I was just praying, and I would be writing, and it wasn't uh, intelligible. I couldn't understand what I was saying, but I knew what I was supposed to write. And he said this. I felt like here's what the Lord said. He said, I want to take you to new places, places where your mind has not allowed you to go. Where I'm taking you, you, not, you cannot get there from here, from your mind. You can only get there through faith. I'm leading you out of the prison of your mind, the prison of your past. I'm putting new songs in your heart. It's a song of deliverance. I will lead you out, of this, out to this new place, but you will only get there through faith. As I parted the waters and led the children of Israel through, I am, I am parting the waters of fear and leading you into the promised land. Nations will be impacted as you follow me in faith. I've given you this faith. It is not something that you must work for or even fast and pray for. It is in you and must simply be released. I'm the only one who can do the works, but I must do them through you, through faith. Your willingness to follow me in faith will lead many into freedom. Your willingness to follow me in faith will lead many into freedom. And, uh, and then I went right back to Ephesians chapter 3 as I had written all this down. Ephesians 3, 8 through 12 says this. To me, th- this is Paul writing. To me, verse 8, who am less than the least of the saints, all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which he was talking about the church, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So over and over as I was writing down, as I was praying in the spirit and I was writing it down, he kept saying through faith, through faith. And he took me back here to Ephesians chapter three. And again, the last verse 10 says this, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. That sounds a whole lot like Isaiah 58 when he said, here's the fast I've chosen. What's that fast? It's that I separate myself to hear. I separate myself to see so that I can go out and I can say what he says so that I can be who he's already created me to be. Does that make sense? We're not fasting to become. We're fasting because we are. And we just want to see clearly and hear clearly who we are. Because as we walk out in that obedience, he said <clears throat> that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by what? The church. Who is that? That's us. It's not the river fellowship. It's us, the body of Christ on the earth. He said <clears throat> the manifold wisdom, and that word manifold is beautiful. You know what it is? It's multifaceted, just like a diamond. You know, you can find a diamond. Uh, You can mine a diamond and get it out, but until it's cut, until it's faceted, you'll never see the beauty that's held inside of the stone. 
It's still beautiful, and it could be very expensive because of its size. But what gives it the, the value is when you put it in the hand of a jeweler who knows how to cut it. And the facets that he puts in it is what releases the beauty that's already in it. That was for me, I guess, because it wrecked me. <clears throat> and when we put ourselves in his hand and know that he's not cutting away to hurt, he's cutting away so that we can see what's really in us, so that the world can see what's in us. And it comes through trusting him. And as he cuts away the, the rough edges, as he cuts away the stuff that stops his light from shining through, He's doing it because of his love, because he knows there's a world that needs to see that prism, that color, that aspect of his wisdom. And you know how it comes? It comes through Kendall. It comes through Wes. It comes through Fanny. It comes through Brenda. It comes, it comes through Marty. That's how it comes. See, we, as we walk in obedience to him, we are that multifaceted wisdom of God demonstrated, manifested to the world around us. And as we walk in that, the world, it says that, that listen, <clears throat> that the manifold wisdom of God may, might be made known, that's manifested, demonstrated to the principalities and powers in the heavenly place. You know what he's saying? We're going to talk about spiritual warfare. Well, in spiritual warfare, we should get up in a plane and pray against the heavenlies and just circle the area and pray that there'll be an open heaven in that area. Baloney. When Jesus was baptized, it says when he came up out of the water, I saw the heavens rent. So, in, I don't know if it's Isaiah, or it was Isaiah says, rend the heavens and come down. We don't have to pray that anymore because when Jesus was baptized and came up, it says the heavens were ripped open and the Holy Spirit came down. And they'll never be closed again. When he died on the cross, the veil that separated God from man in that temporary dwelling place was ripped from top to bottom, saying, I'm not hidden from you anymore. We have an open heaven. We don't have to pray, God, come down. Spiritual warfare is not getting enough people to pray. Do I believe in prayer? Absolutely. But what is prayer? It's partnering with what God's already done. It's getting his mind and his heart and praying that out. It's not begging God to do something that we think he doesn't want to do. That's spiritual pride. That's religious. That's all it is. Spiritual warfare here, he said, is this. When you begin to demonstrate the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. What are you saying? When you, when you participate in the fast that I've chosen, spiritual warfare takes place. Darkness begins to shatter. Spiritual strongholds get torn down. Not because we start calling out names of old gods. but because we start being sons and daughters of God. And as we are sons and daughters of God, darkness flees because light supersedes darkness. 100% of the time, <clears throat> the principle of the power, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, <clears throat> in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Amazing. We have boldness and confidence. We have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. So He said, We can boldly step out 
to who he's called us to be. We can access heaven with confidence because we're in Jesus. <laughs> Amen? He said, that's the fast that I've chosen. It's a fast that takes its eyes off of you. It's not consumed with you, but it's looking to him, to see him, to hear him, and then to manifest him. Because there's a world waiting to see <clears throat> the living God. It doesn't come through <clears throat> our religious practices. It comes through our belief and our boldness to step out in it. Through saying, Jesus, I believe you, and I'm going to step out in it. <clears throat> I think that's what God is stirring us to <clears throat> individually. He's stirring us to corporately that we say, Jesus, I'll be your voice. I'll be your hands. I'll go where everyone else has refused to go, and I'll do what you've called me to do at this moment, right here, right now. And as we do that, he said, then your light will break forth. How about that? You ever been ministering to somebody? You've been going through something, and you've been ministering to someone, loving on them, and then you get released, you get breakthrough, you get freedom in the area of the thing that you have been uh, worried with or struggling with as you lend yourself to be the, the answer to someone else. He says, yours comes in. Anybody ever experienced that? I've experienced that. I've gone to minister to people and didn't even feel like I could get my head up off the ground. I was so focused on me. And as I began to minister to them, the presence of the Lord came in. His multifaceted wisdom came through me. And I walked out and I was like, that was him. I'm not that smart. That was him. That was absolutely him. And if I had stayed at home in my mess, I would have missed what he wanted to do through me so that I could be set free. He loves you. I like you. I'm just kidding. I love you too. <clears throat> I love you too. Let's stand. Um, as we uh, go in prayer, I'm going to ask uh, Jim and Annette if you guys would come up. Wes, you and Kendall, if you come up. Um, Nanette, did you send me something about marriages? I, I didn't come. I saw. Anyway, I can't find it. Would you share that? Uh, because we want to go after it for marriages. If if the Lord said this to both Jim and Nanette. Uh, it wasn't coincidental. Um, this is definitely something that the Holy Spirit's been just highlighting a lot this week to me. I had a family member call me, and she's talking to me about her marriage. And I mean, we hear a lot of stuff about a lot of things, you know, but um, in particular, this just resonated with me because he's involved in worship at a church. He leads worship at a church. And, and I'm not saying somebody should be taken down from that position or whatever. I'm not even going there. What I'm saying is he's got, he's got relationship with leaders in his church. Mm. And I said, well, you know, what, what are they saying about it? She's like, nothing. She said, the other lady who leads worship, she's been there for like a year, and she's been married for a year, and she's been separated for seven months out of that year. And the cry of my heart this week is... 
why isn't the church warring for this? Yeah. Why? Why isn't why aren't you going for help? Why aren't we reaching out and saying we're here to help? Yeah. And um so in my prayer time with all this, it's like the spirit is warring for marriages. It's the foundation of unity. We're all praying for unity. Yeah. We're praying for community. Guess what? That's right. You're yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's the foundation of community. It's the essence of the body of Christ. It is the earthly depiction of a heavenly promise of the bride and the bridegroom. It must matter to us as much as it matters to him. We must war for our marriages. We have to. We can't live Amen. just if it's just okay. That's right. It should be great. It should be great. Amen. So we're, we're not just going to go in the prayer closet about it and pray over it. We want to pray with you and agree with you and see these things. We're going to war for you. Did, did you have some? Okay. Oh, you're just going to do it. Well, I was going to let people. We'll do it right there. So here's what we're going to do. Jim's going to pray right now. But if you would like prayer, you would like agreement, you can still come up and, and we'll pray with you in, what, individually. What I felt in my spirit about this was I want you to find your spouse if your spouse is in here. And I want you to put your hand on your spouse. I want you to hold hands. You can go find your spouse and touch them. Because I'm not going to pray. Over, I'm going to pray, pray for my wife. My wife's going to pray for me. If your spouse is not here, if you don't have a spouse, if you don't, if you don't have a spouse and you do not desire to be married, that's fine. Right. I mean, really, honestly, if you desire to be married, come on up here. I'm going to hold your hand. <laughs> there you go. That's right. Yeah, put your hands on your heart. Uh, if if your husbandman is uh, the Holy Spirit. Oh my gosh. Woo! <laughs> you just stay right here. I got your back. Get on up here. That's right. Come on. But I'm serious. Find your spouse and touch them. And mm, now at this point, we've been shouting today. So what I want you to do is I want you to get outside yourself for your spouse for a minute. And I want you to war for your spouse. I want you to begin to pray and prophesy over your spouse. I want you to speak out loud. Just call her name out. Call his name out. And I want you to begin to do that. And if they're not here and you, you want them, you, you, if, you, if you're divorced or you're uh, separated and you want in reconciliation, you put your hand on your heart. If your husbandman is the Holy Spirit, if, you're, if, if your lover is the Holy Spirit and there's no desire to go anywhere else and put your hand on your heart, that that relationship grows deeper so that you're able to touch others. But right now, for you married people and those who want to be married and those who are wanting to see reconciliation in their marriage, I want you to begin to pray right now. Pray out loud. I want you to pray for, pray for your spouse right now. I want you to call their name in Jesus' name. Yes, that's it. Call it out loud. Don't worry about the people next to you. Pray for them out loud. Pray for them out loud. Mm. Father, I just thank you for my wife. I thank you for Nanette. Father, I just thank you that you are just continuing to take her into a deeper intimacy. Father, I thank you for that deeper intimacy. Father, I thank you that she is becoming, that she is taking time to get lost in you, Father. And I thank you, Father, for that courage she has to stand up and speak and prophesy. Father, I just ask, Father God, that we would become more intimate in our conversation. 
that we are more open with one another, even in our day-to-day and our chores and the cares of life. Father, I just speak your life over Nanette right now. And I want you to take the time, too, to nail to the cross your animosity, your hurt. Well, they hurt me. You don't know what they've done. Nail it to the cross in Jesus' name. I nail my anxiety to the cross over this relationship. I nail to the cross my feelings of hurt, my feelings of frustration. I nail it to the cross in Jesus' name. Father, forgive me for harboring hurt, for harboring offense toward my spouse. In Jesus' name, Father, I leave that on the cross, and I ask Holy Spirit to give me something in the place of that for my wife, for my husband. Give me something in the place of that as I nail that feeling, that hurt, that thought, that old memory. I nail it to the cross, and I ask for your forgiveness for holding on to it. In Jesus' name, and I thank you, Father, for, and and right now, just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, show me what you want to give my spouse. Show me what you want to give in place of that hurt. Show me what you want to do next in our marriage. And let the Holy Spirit begin to speak, to begin to prophesy into your marriage so that you can speak life and prophecy into your spouse and into your home. In Jesus' name, Father. For those of you that are piled up up here, the pray with Nanette. Begin to prophesy over that spouse that's coming. Begin to ask the Holy Spirit and begin to speak over them. And wherever they're at, begin to protect them and call them out of the the cares and the ways of this world. That they won't fall into just being single, the single life of of Western culture. But they they will follow and be passionate for God. Call them to a passion. Speak to their spirit to be in control of their soul and their body. Mm. This is how we change things, folks. This is how we change things. This is when all of a sudden people look and go, oh, my, what do they have that I don't? Amen. Father, you are sweet. And I ask that this would be a week where your intimacy is drawing us, that we would be willing to stretch, and even in our cars and in our closets, that we would begin to shout and break past the silence that overtakes us when all we can do is hear the things of this world. Drawing us into an intimacy like we've never known, with you and with each other, that this community of believers, this family of believers, would learn how to to just go another level into love and servitude to, to, toward each other because of your love for us. In Jesus' name, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you, God.
Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for strong marriages. That God, one of the testimonies of the river is and will be the strength of their marriages. Amen. That God, it's a prophetic declaration of us being the bride and you our bridegroom. Of your amazing love, your sacrificial love for your bride. So God, I declare and, and prophesy over this ministry, over this house, that it will be a home of strong marriages, God. That the unbelieving world will look on and go, there's something different about the marriages in that place. And Lord, we'll be quick to say, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He is the one who makes a difference in our home. So God, I thank you for strong marriages, for strong relationships. And for these, God, that are believing for their mate, God, I thank you that even now, as Jim said, they're being set apart. Just as these have set themselves apart, God, that they're, uh, we talked about the multifaceted wisdom of God, that, Lord, they'll know, they'll not hope or wonder, but, God, you'll let them know who it is and that they will, uh, the ones that are separated, se separate themselves unto you, Lord God. I just declare that as they chase you, they bump into each other. <laughs> Lord, they're not looking for someone. They're looking at you, and as they chase you, they bump into that person that's chasing you in that same way. So I thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So Y'all going to be... <laughs> Go team. Yeah. So Joyce, if you'll, uh, that was sweet ministry there. If you'll get your picture, we'll. Uh, sorry, phone, Jim, Jim took your phone. Don't take mine, Anna. All right, we're about finished. Let me get Joyce up here and. It's wet. Hold it up, Joyce. You know how to use your mic. Okay, so as I was with um, the sweet time of the Lord this morning, this song came on. It's by Amanda Cook. It's called The Voyage. And the words, I didn't. I, I, I got stuck on just a couple of the words, but the whole song is just amazing. And I won't speak this over the church, but Brad, this is your painting. And it goes back to everything that's been said today about speaking and shouting. Amen. And the voyage, the song says, speak, even if your voice is trembling. Please, you've been quiet for so long. Mm. Believe it'll be worth the risk you're taking. You're afraid. But you can hear the adventure calling. <clears throat> There's a rush of adrenaline to your bones. What you make of this moment changes everything. Amen. What if the path you choose becomes a road? The ground you take becomes a home. The wind is high, but the pressure's on. I'll send the rain wherever we end up, wherever we end up. But set your sights sailing far beyond familiar. In the rising tide, you'll find the rhythm of your heart. 
and lift your head. Now the wind and waves don't matter because I am the wind in your sails. Amen. And it goes back to Psalms 100 with your shout. Yeah. Isaiah 58 and the voyage. Amen. He's got you. Amen. 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 Well, God bless you. Go impact the world around you. You are released in Jesus' name. Be blessed. Thank you for being here today.